or my little daughter would say loading, <laughs> which was, you know, a joke that we were talking about. We, uh, she streams movies every once in a while, my daughter, she's this big. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, as you stream, sometimes a little loady circle comes up and, and it says, it says, you know, that it's loading, it's waiting. And, and she'd be like, where'd the movie go? And so I taught her, I'm like, just, it's loading. And so every time that pops up, she just joyfully say, oh, now I'm really loud. <laughs> Step back. Can you turn me down just a little bit? Thank you. Um, she would say, loading, and just be happy. And one time my wife was streaming a movie, and the loading symbol came up, and she was like, ah, you know, frustrated. And Mila walks in, and she goes, loading. <laughs> so that's what we were just doing. We were just loading. Um, an impromptu, perfect time to in interject a story from my own life. So I got a, uh, I got a call on Wednesday saying, hey, uh, Ryan, you got that uh, sermon in your back pocket still? And I said, no, I don't. Well, we need you to have it um, because we are, we're, uh, we're needing someone to fill in because one of the, the person who was supposed to preach today has been asked uh, to quarantine for a few days. So, so we, uh, here I am. Um, and I mentioned uh, in a midweek teaching that I did a while ago that uh, I had an interest in, in talking about the story of Samson from the book of Judges because... Um, you know, the Bible has some really happy and exciting and, and energetic books in it, and Judges is not that book. Um, and in fact, it's the exact opposite. It, it is the, uh, the story of probably one of the darkest times in the history of the, the Israelites. Um, and so, so, of course, that, that drew my interest. Um, so I wanted to share that, but then I figured there are a lot of Old Testament names in the book of Judges, so I am going to have to do some research. And, and if I pronounce them wrong, just know that I'm going to pronounce them fast and with confidence, um, because I was told that's how you're supposed to pronounce Old Testament names, is loud and with confidence. So the book of Judges, we're going to start in, um, in 13, uh, the book, uh, chapter 13 of the book of Judges, <clears throat> which is page 634 in your church pew Bibles. It's not, but just in case. So I'll let you guys get there, and I'm going to open us up in a word of prayer, and then we're, uh, we're going to dive right in. See where we can get to. Father God, I just I thank you for today. Um, I thank you for the opportunity to, to be up here and to, to share your word. Lord, I just pray that, that I would do it justice. I pray that your word um, would come through to the people today um, and that they would be able to, to block out me, Lord God, that they would be able to focus on you and what you have. I just pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so little backstory. Um, we've just come out of the book of Joshua, where God's people are moving into the land of Cana, and um, God gave them this awesome land, and he said, among a few other things, but one of his commandments was, drive out all of your enemies. So, of course, the Israelites did that, right? Maybe not. If they did, I probably wouldn't have a lot to talk about today. But as we'll find, um, if we'll find, we'll, as we'll find out, that that it, it turns out that God's people have a really hard time doing what God asks them to do, and and it's not just once; it's over and over and over again, which is what the Book of Judges is, right? It's 
It's basically the story of Israel's total failure. Um, the book of Judges is like listening to a song on repeat. Um, but it's one of those songs, the more you listen to it, the more annoying it gets. Um, I was going to use a, a, an example of a VHS, and I, I think most of the people in here know what a VHS is, you know, used to hold movies. And if you watch it a bunch and a bunch, it starts getting worse. Like the picture quality goes down, it starts getting grainy, you get little spots in it. Um, that's what was happening with, with this. So it starts out um, not too bad and, and then just slides. So it's, a, you know, that spiral, this re- rinse and repeat. What, basically what, uh, what the people of Israel would do is they would sin and disobey God and so God would turn them over to an oppressor, and the oppressor would, would punish them and make their lives miserable for a period of time. And then God would um, send in a deliverer, a judge, and that judge would offer relief to the people of Israel, would free them for a period of time. Um, you know, after, the, after God's people cried out and, and repented, then they would have a time of peace, and then that time of peace would end with them doing the same thing over again, but worse. They would um, rebel against God again, sin again, God would deliver them into another oppressor, and so on and so forth. And, and it, it progresses all the way through the book of Judges, and we get to Judges 13, which is kind of where we are, we're going to pick up our story. Um, so just two things before, before we get to that. I want to judge... Um, is not like we picture it today. Uh, you know, back in the book of Judges, a judge is not like someone on the Supreme Court or the person who tells you you do or do not have to pay a traffic ticket. Um, a judge back in those days was more like a, um, like a tribal chief, a leader, a warrior, um, someone like that that would, would help free the people of Israel from their oppressors. And so um, that's what a judge was. It wasn't, you know, someone that had a black robe and, and a little hammer. Um, and then the other thing is um, that we'll see, and we see throughout kind of the Bible in general is, um, but I feel like it's a good disclaimer to, to give, is God's empowerment or the empowerment of God's spirit is not his endorsement of human choices. So we will see that Samson is empowered with God's um, power um, or some of his power, and, and it it's not uh, God's endorsement for saying, yes, we can do all of these things. So... Um, in case that wasn't clear. Um, so we're going to start. We're starting Judges 13, and I'm going to start in verse 1. And this is, uh, this is the, the repeat of the cycle. It says, um, again, our, and the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in a town of Zorah, Zohar, Zohar, I don't know. He lived in a town, um, and his wife was unable to become pregnant, and so they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, appeared to Manoah's wife, and said, even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. And then he gives a warning. He says, be careful. You must not drink, drink wine or any alcoholic drink or eat any forbidden food. Um, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and, you, and his hair must never be cut, because he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth, and he will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. So um, in, in the first chunk, we see um, 
kind of a familiar story. We've seen it a couple other times in the Bible. Um, we see this angel proclaiming. Actually, we see it two other times in the Bible, um, one with Sarah and then one with Mary, where an angel of the Lord predicts a birth and a Savior or a Redeemer or um, a Deliverer. Um, and so this, in this case, we get to see... Um, we get to see that um, the angel of the Lord is coming and telling him and laying out these strict guidelines. So your son is going to be a Nazarite from birth. Um, a Nazarite was someone who uh, was set aside for God, um, and it was usually by choice, and it was usually for a set period of time. Um, in this case, it was not it was not by choice. It was for a long period of time from birth to tomb. It was set out for Samson. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting and that um, when we look at this, we see that God found one, um, one group of people, one family that was still God-fearing, that still understood the rules of the Lord um, in in the very beginning of that, we see that they were doing uh, what they've always done, and we can go back even to Deuteronomy chapter 12, um, verse 8. And in 12, verse 8, it is Moses talking to the people of Israel. And it says, um, you, shall not do accord, or, you shall not do according to all that we are doing here today, so he's, he's rebuking them, and he's saying, everyone is doing what is right in his own eyes. And the angel of the Lord came to someone who was following the commandments that God had laid out. So the story goes on in, in 13, um, where uh, the woman goes, tells her husband, uh, Manoah, and, and then the angel of the Lord reappears to them, and and Manoah and gives the whole example again of what you're what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to raise your son, and the um, Manoah says, "Well, please stay. Let me prepare some food." And then in verse 16 of of chapter 13, he says, um, "I will stay." The angel of the Lord replied, "But I will not eat anything. However, you may prepare a burnt offering as a sacrifice to the Lord." Manoah did not realize it was an angel of the Lord. Then Manoah asked the angel of the Lord, what is your name? For you have come to, uh, for when this all comes true, we want to honor you. Why do you ask my name? The angel of the Lord replied, it is too wonderful for you to understand. Then Manoah took a young goat and grain offering and offered it on a rock as a sacrifice to the Lord. And Manoah and his wife watched the Lord the Lord did an amazing thing. The flames from the altar shot up skyward. The angel of the Lord ascended in the fire. Then Manoah and his wife saw this. They fell on their faces to the ground. The angel did not appear again to Manoah and his wife. Manoah finally realized it was an angel of the Lord, and he said to his wife, we will certainly die, for we have seen God. And if you remember the story of um, Moses when he went to get the 12, uh, the 12 uh, the Ten Commandments, that um, tried to add a couple for you. When he went to go get the Ten Commandments, he, uh, he couldn't see God directly because that would kill him. Um, but his wife said, if the Lord were going to kill us, he wouldn't have accepted our offering, of our, our burnt offering and our grain offering. And he wouldn't have appeared to us and 
told us these wonderful things and done these miracles. So, you know, the wife um, throwing out some really good theology there. <laughs> if God wanted us dead, we would be dead, and he wouldn't have told us all these awesome things. So when her son was born, um, she named him Samson. So here we have the entrance of the story. The name Samson is from the Greek word shimshorn, um, and the root of that is shemesh, which means sun, as in the bright yellow thing in the sky. So sunny boy Samson was born. <clears throat> the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him while he lived in Manea Dan, which is located between the town of Zora and Estral. Go ahead and turn your page if you need to. We're going into 14. So one day, Samson was in Tima. One of the Philistine women caught his eye. He returned home and told his father and mother, um, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah and um, now get her for me as my wife. Right? He, uh, he looked good to her, caught his eye. But his mother and father said to him, Is there no mo- woman among the daughters of uh, your relatives, among all of our people, that you must go and take a wife from the un- uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She is right in my eyes. You know, seeing this, this, this thing comes up uh, repeatedly. I was, I was reading some, some commentary on this, and, and it talked about um, all the women in, in Samson's life, so starting with her mother, seeing um, the angel of the Lord, and now Samson is seeing something and it is right in his eyes. So his parents were, um, were, tell, were um, trying to get him to not marry a Philistine. So in Deuteronomy 7, 3, and 4, and, and you don't have to scroll through there, but it says, you shall not intermarry with them, give your daughters and sons to them, taking your daughter, uh, give your daughters or sons, or taking their daughters or sons, for they will turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. So it's, it's God's warning that if um, at that time it was a religious thing, and if you intermarry, they're going to start worshiping gods that, that are not me, and we don't want that. So that was, that was the reason why um, Samson's parents were, were doing this. Um, in verse 4, it says, his father and mother, so she looked good to me, his father and mother did not realize the Lord was at work in this, creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at that time. Uh, it's, it's that, what I said before, it's that uh, bit about um, God's in, God working outside of, of the outside of the picture, using bad human choices to do his will, to work, um, to work and get things done. And so basically he's, he's saying, uh, this is my opportunity to pick a fight with um, the Philistines. So Samson, we know that he is not supposed to do a bunch of things. He is not supposed to, um, he's not supposed to eat unclean food. He is not supposed to drink wine or strong drink. He is not supposed to handle corpses, dead bodies, and he's not supposed to let a razor touch his hair, so no haircuts, right? Which would have worked good during quarantine. Um, 
but now, now we can get haircuts. <clears throat> so you, as you follow along in um, verse 6, it says, at that moment, the spirit of, oh, sorry, verse 5, um, Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah. A young lion suddenly attacked them near a vineyard, um, the vineyard of Timnah. So they're going down to a vineyard because Samson wanted to smell the grapes. I'm sure it wasn't about drinking wine or, or any of that at all. Um, but we know that, that he does. And we'll see that in just a few verses. So that's, that's, um, that's number one. That's commitment number one, right? Not drinking wine. And we'll get to that also in, in um, uh, verse 10. We'll see that again. So he killed a lion. At that, or he saw a lion. At that moment, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. He did it easily as if it were a young goat, but he did not tell his father and mother about it. And when they arrived at Timnah, he talked to the woman and was very pleased with her. Later, he returned um, to Timnah for the wedding. He turned to the path and looked at the carcass of the lion, and he found a swarm of bees that made some honey in it. So what did he do? He scooped out some honey and ate it along his way. He also gave some to his parents because if you're going to get unclean food, why not bring other people with you and share it? So unclean, unclean food, honey, growing where? In the carcass of a dead animal. There's commitment number two. He's, he's doing really good with this whole Nazarite vow thing. Um, you know, we're, we're just barely into the book and are into the story and he's already thrown away two of his commitments. And, and it gets better, it gets better. Um, he's going to throw away all of them by the time, spoiler alert, by the time we get to the end. Um, as his father was making final arrangements for marriage, Samson threw a party at Timnah, or some, reason, some versions read a feast there, so the young men, as the young men were used to doing. Um, <laughs> we, we, can, we can break down that, um, that feast means probably drinking and alcohol. Uh, the Hebrew word for feast is mishtah, which comes from the word shateh, which means to drink. And I promise to only pull out a couple more Greek breakdowns for you. But it's fun sometimes. Sometimes like this, it actually is really helpful. Um, and other times when we break down like his name, it's just because it's fun. Um, but we want to know what a word means. And feast was pretty well tied to drinking and partying. So Samson threw a kager. Uh, verse 11, when the bride's parents saw them, they selected 30 young men for, from town to be his companions. So like a really big bridal party, a whole bunch of groomsmen. And Samson, because he um, was not humble, he was arrogant and um, very prideful. He said to them, let me tell you a riddle. If you solve the riddle during these seven days of celebration, I will give you 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets um, uh, of clothing. Uh, but if you cannot solve it, you must give me 30 linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. All right, they agreed. And so he told them, out of the one who eats came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. They tried to figure this out. He was telling them the story of this lion that he had killed and found the honey in. What did they do? They got all mad. 
because they couldn't figure it out, they threatened his um, bride-to-be, saying that if you don't tell us, if you don't talk to your husband and get the, or your future husband and get the answer, then we are going to kill you and we are going to kill your family. And so she did. She nagged him and pressed him until finally he gave the answer. And then they came back and told him. And he wasn't super happy. He wasn't. Um, You know, in verse 18, they gave the answer, and he replied, if you hadn't plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't have solved my riddle. Then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he went down to the town of Ashkelon, Ashkelon and killed 30 men. So he went to a neighboring village. He killed 30 men. Um, he took their belongings, and he gave their clothes to the men who had solved their riddles. So, so in order to pay his debt, he went and killed a bunch of men, and best guess, he stripped their clothing off, and in order to do that, you're handling a corpse. So commitment number three, he's on a roll. Um, so this whole Nazarite thing, not working out really good for him. Um, but God is still going to use him. We're going to see it. Um, so he was furious when it happened, and he went back to live with his father and mother. Verse 20, so his wife was given to marriage to the man who had been Samson's best man at the wedding. We, um, we can see that um, even in Samson's shortcomings, God's sovereignty can be seen. Samson's sinful marriage was used to provoke a fight with the Philistines, right? We saw that in verse 4. Um, God also used this to help the Israelites uh, or Israel understand its, its tenuous sinful position. Um, Israel had sold out to Philistine culture. There was little difference between um, the world and God's chosen people. And we're going to see this in, in verse 15, uh, or chapter 15. Um, they had given up their allegiance to God, who had ser- and, and this should serve as a warning to us, to modern believers. Um, God wants and deserves our allegiance, despite our natural attractiveness to the world system. Called to save Israel, he acts doing his own thing, rather than seeking to rid the land of the Philistines. All right, so at every turn, we see Samson throwing away his, um, his birthright, his calling to do what is right in his own eyes, to choose things that he sees as important, to, to choose things that he sees in his own sight. We're going to see that um, we saw it in the beginning of 13, and we're going to see here again where the Israelites have just become complacent. They've become very happy with or, or resigned maybe even to where they are. And you can see, you can see this, um, the, uh, the saying, there's nothing new under the sun, right? There's, there's nothing that we're dealing with now that hasn't been covered in the Bible already. We... Um, we are living in a time, and some may argue we as a uh, Christian culture in the West, in America, are playing this very dangerous game of spiral uh, that we see in Judges, where each time we get a little bit of a wake-up call, and then we're happy for a little bit, 
and then we decide we're not happy anymore and God will turn us over and, and give us over to other people. So let's go ahead and, uh, and keep moving forward. I'm going to try and make it all the way through 16 in the time that we have, and I'm not sure what that is. So Brandon just said make sure to keep it long so that you guys felt normal when he comes back next week and starts to preach again. Um, he wanted to make sure that you didn't, you didn't feel like this sermon was way too short, and then uh, you know his was super long. So I talked to him yesterday, and those were his explicit, explicit uh, instructions. So I'm going to try and, try and follow along with that. Um, later on during the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat as a present to his wife. So he got done stewing, and this is a few months later. He um, decided to go try and, and bring some roses in those days to his wife, a young goat. <clears throat> he said, I'm going to my wife's room to sleep with her, but her father wouldn't let him. Uh, Truly, I thought you must hate her, the father explained. So I gave her in marriage to your best man. What a buddy. What a buddy. Um, but look, her younger sister, even more beautiful than she is, marry her instead. Samson said, this time I cannot be blamed for everything I'm going to do to the Philistines. So he got mad again. And then he went out and caught 300 foxes or, or maybe jackals, um, depending on your, on your translation. And he tied their tails together in pairs and fastened a torch to each pair of tails. How much time do you think that took? <laughs> He went and caught 300, like, like, you have to be pretty mad to go out and, you know, seek revenge in the first place, but he, he took lots of time and had a very good plan. He caught 300 wild foxes, and then he lit the torches of the foxes, uh, lit the t- torches, and let the foxes run through the grain fields of the Philistines. He burned all their grain to the ground, including um, their sheaves and uncut grain. He also destroyed the vineyards and olive groves. He basically took their economy and shattered it. So this town, this village, had no grain, no wine, and no olives. Who did this, the Philistines demanded. Samson um, was the reply. Because of his father-in-law's, because his father-in-law from Timnah gave Samson's wife to be married to his best man, so the Philistines went and got the woman and her father and burned them to death. Because that's how you get back at someone. Um, vengeance for vengeance. Because of this, Samson vowed, I won't rest until I take revenge on you. <laughs> so it's escalating. He attacked the Philistines with great fury and killed many of them. And then he went, to the, went and lived in a cave in the rock of Etam. The Philistines uh, retaliated by setting up camp in Judah and spreading out near the town of Lehi. The men of Judah asked the Philistines, why are you attacking us? The Philistines replied, we have come to capture Samson. We have come to pay him back for what he did to us. So, of course, the men of Israel, the tribe of Judah, they said, nah, we're going to stand up and we're going to fight with this new leader that we have. They didn't, because in verse 11, you find out. So 3,000 men of Judah went down to, to get Samson at the cave at the Rock of Edom and said to Samson, don't you realize the Philistines rule over us? What are you doing to us? Remember what I said about, um, about being comfortable where they are? This is where we find this out, right? They had given up their allegiance to God, 
This is that moment where they could have said, hey, we got this guy, and the Philistines don't like him, and we know he's pretty strong because he just torched a village and killed a bunch of guys. But what did they do instead? They said, no, what are you doing? Why are you causing trouble? Why are you stirring up a hornet's nest? Um, this is not okay. Um, but the men of Judah told him, we have come to tie you up and, and hand you over to the Philistines. And so what did Samson say? Samson said, all right, but promise me you won't kill me upon yourselves. And they said, we'll only tie you up and, your hand, and hand you over to the Philistines. They replied, and we won't kill you. So they tied him up with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. Samson arrived at Lehi. The Philistines came shouting in triumph, but the spirit of the Lord powerfully came upon Samson. He snapped the ropes with his arms as if they had uh, burnt strands of, as, as if they were burnt strands of flax, and they fell from his wrists. Then he found a jawbone from a recently killed donkey. Jawbone, donkey, yay big, maybe had some teeth on it still because it was recently killed. What do you do with that? He killed a thousand Philistines with it. Um, so this is this is like Marvel superhero stuff, right? This is. This is the Incredible Hulk going Hulk smash and then taking out a thousand people. And I can't even imagine what that looks like or what that would be. You know, like you look at our, our church group today, there's what, 50, 60, 70 of us here in the auditorium. If you guys all surrounded me, you would be like, like four or five deep. Imagine a thousand. <laughs> and I got a jawbone. Um, it's the spirit of the Lord coming upon him, right? Supernatural strength. With the jawbone of the, and then after he did that, Samson said, or sang, with the jawbone of the donkey, I have piled them in heaps. With the jawbone of the donkey, I have killed a thousand men. And when he finished his boasting, because he was a proud man, that's my editorialism, not in the Bible. When he finished his boasting, he threw away the jawbone and place uh, was named Jawbone Hill. And I took the living translation because the, um, ESV version is a Hebrew name, and it's hard. Jawbone Hill. Samson was now very thirsty because he got a workout killing a thousand people. And he cried out to the Lord, and he said, first time we see Samson, we'll call it praying. He said, you have accomplished this great victory by, my strength, uh, by the strength of your servant, um, now, or must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of these pagans? So God caused water to gush out of a hollow in the ground at Lehi, and Samson uh, was revived as he drank. And then he named that place Spring of the One Who Cried Out. He named it after himself. <clears throat> and is still there in Lehi to this day. Samson judged Israel for 20 years during this period when the Philistines dominated the land. We're going to swap over to 16. And I'm going to swap over to the third page of my notes, which means we're on the downhill stretch because I only have three pages of notes. <clears throat> and Samson being a fine, upstanding um, Nazarite who has broken most of his vows, three of the four to this point, um, or it's the three of the four main ones. Um, this day, Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza, and he spent the night with a prostitute. 
<coughs> word spread that Samson, so Samson, again, went, saw, saw that it was good, decided that, um, that he would partake. Word soon spread that Samson was, it was there, so uh, the men of Gaza gathered together and waited all night at the town's gates. They, were, they kept quiet during the night, saying to themselves, when the light of morning comes, we will kill him. But Samson stayed in bed only until midnight, and then he got up, and he took hold of the doors of the town gate, including two posts, lifted them up, bar and all, and he threw them on the shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill uh, across from Hebron. So we're not talking about the doors of the sanctuaries, right? We're talking about city gates, city doors. These are meant to keep out enemies, to withstand attack. These were large. This is something that um, it would take, you know, most of the people in this church to carry these around, and he threw them on his shoulders and hucked them up the hill. So I'm, I'm guessing, and I don't know because it doesn't say, but I'm guessing as soon as the men that were there to kill him saw that, they decided maybe not the best idea today and ran away. <clears throat> and I'm sure they knew about the thousand men he killed with a, a donkey jawbone, so who knows what got into them anyways. Sometime later, so in, in verse 4 of chapter 16, sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah. So this is the fourth woman that we see entering Samson's life, and obviously fourth time is the charm, because um, his mom saw, he saw a girl, he saw another girl, but now he fell in love. Something is different, right? Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah, and just because we like playing with um, looking up the meaning of things, Delilah means something completely different, but Lila means night. So, sunny boy and night woman got together. <laughs> what could go wrong, right? <laughs> what could go wrong? Day and night getting together. <laughs> <clears throat> so, the rulers of the Philistines went and said uh, to her, Entice Samson, uh, make him tell you what makes him so strong so that we can overpower him and tie him up securely. And then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Um, I did a little bit of research. There's supposed to be five rulers that, you know, so like all the leaders of the area came. That's 5,500 pieces of silver. The average annual salary at that time was about five pieces of silver. So she got roughly 500 years worth of salary if she could do this. So Samson loved Delilah. And Delilah might have loved Samson, but she also loved money. And she liked lots of it. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me what makes you so strong. Um, <clears throat> please tell me what makes you so strong and what it would take to tie you up securely. Now, Samson is obviously proving his arrogance right here because he, uh, he didn't do what most people would go wait, why do you want to tie me up securely? Why do you want me to uh, lose my strength? But he replied, if I were tied up with seven new bowstrings that had not yet been dried, I would become as weak as everyone else. So the Philistine rulers brought Delilah seven new bowstrings and she tied up Samson with them. 
she had hidden some men in the inner room of her house, and she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson snapped the bowstrings as a piece of string snaps when it is burned by fire. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. And I'm assuming that those guys probably got beat up. Um, afterward, Delilah said to him, you've been making fun of me and telling me lies. Please now tell me how you can be tied up securely. Samson, obviously either, either uh, really confident and cocky um, or, or, or blinded by love, or, or something, decided to tell her again, well, if I were tied up with brand new ropes that had never been used, I would become as weak as everyone else. You know, try number two. So, so Delilah took the ropes, tied them up, men hiding in her room as before. Delilah cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But again, Samson snapped the ropes on his arms as if they were thread. So probably another group of guys getting beat up, and I'm imagining that the guys that are getting tasked to do this are going, hey, um, why are you sending us in to go attack this really big and strong guy? Um, that's just my, my take. It's not actually in here. Um, chapter 13, or verse 13 of 16, sorry. Um, then Delilah said, you've been making fun of me, tell, uh, telling me lies. Now tell me, how can you be tied up securely? Samson replied, if you were to weave the seven braids of my hair into fabric on your loom and tighten them with a loom shuttle or a pin, um, I will become as weak as everyone else. So while he slept, Delilah wove his seven braids of hair into fabric and then tightened them with a loom shuttle um, and then cried out again, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you, but Samson woke up. Pulled, the loom, uh, pulled back the loom shuttle, yanked his hair away from the loom and the fabric. Again, he got free. And then, because as we know, fourth time is the charm, Delilah pouted, said, um, how can you tell me I love you and then you don't share these secrets with me? Okay, for those of you that are in a relationship or plan on ever being in a relationship or have ever been in a relationship, if someone is telling you, if you love me, you will disobey God, you may want to reassess that relationship. Um, and, and Samson, he did not. He did not reassess that relationship. So Delilah um, said, you've made fun of me three times now and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented him and nagged him day after day until he was sick to death of it. Finally, Samson shared his secret. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth, and if my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as anyone else. Delilah realized that he'd finally told her the truth, and so she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said, for he has finally told me his secret. So the Philistine rulers turned um, with the, returned with their money in hand. Delilah lured Samson to sleep with his head on her lap, and she called out, um, 
in a, uh, called in a manslave to shave his seven locks of hair or dreadlocks. He liked listening to Bob Marley. <clears throat> in this way, she uh, began to bring him down and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. And this next part is probably the saddest part of this whole story. He did not realize the Lord had left him. You see, Samson's relationship with God was so bad, he didn't know that God had left him. He just assumed he will always be there and I will never have consequences for being arrogant or selfish um, or prideful. And it's sad when you think that he, he didn't realize that those gifts that had been given him were no longer there, were taken away. <clears throat> so they caught him. The Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. And they took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in a prison. So this is, the, uh, this is the point of the story where Samson had given both his strength and his eyes to the people rather than to God. Um, you saw throughout this whole, um, this whole thing where it was right in his eyes, it was right in his eyes, and um, as, as God's irony would have it, he no longer has eyes. So for it to be right in his eyes, it's going to be pretty hard right now. Um, he, uh, where was I? There I am. He had, um, the man who had already shown to be spiritually weak now became physically weak. Um, he had shown to be spiritually blind. Now he's physically blind. He was shown to be spiritually a slave and now he'd become a slave in the flesh. So he, um, all the things that had chased him throughout his whole life are now manifesting physically. Um, it's, uh, it's one of those things, and, and as I was prepping for this this week, um, I was listening to, to some stuff and reading some stuff, and this, this um, professor who was a doctor and a whole bunch of other things named uh, Abraham Cruavilla which is basically like trying to pronounce a Hebrew name, said this, um, because, because basically Samson had thrown away all of his vows, all of his commitments, and his last one was the hair, right? He's like, I don't really need my hair. Um, I don't need to hold this commitment. He said, uh, he said that he was due for a haircut this week, and, and as you can see, I'm getting pretty scraggly and maybe due for a shave and a haircut myself. But he said, I was due for a haircut this week, and, and I am planning on getting a haircut. He goes, but before I get my haircut, I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to think of this for at least a few seconds. Haircut, yes. Defection, no. Or haircut, yes. Defection, never. And so I think um, as we get, we get so... Uh, so used to the society that we live in, we are always looking at choices. We always are given choices. Um, and sometimes they are little, 
compromises, and sometimes they are big compromises. But when we think of haircut yes and defection never, it is that we are not willing to compromise. We are not willing to trade in, and we are not willing to be happy um, with anything less than what we've been called to. In James um, chapter 4, verse 4, God, uh, God gives us very clearly what he thinks about people who, um, who choose to um, do what is right in their own eyes or to make friends with the Philistines. He says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I'll say it again. If you were to be friends with the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. I think, uh, I think that we, we often run into that, right? The, uh, the beauty of this story is to come, right? The, um, the end of this story, we know what happens. Uh, Samson gets pulled um, in. They are <clears throat> um, they're having a party for their god, Dagon. A bunch of them celebrating because their god, Dagon, is greater than Samson's god, our god. And so they're celebrating this. And this whole story is really not about Samson, although he is the, uh, he is the protagonist of this story. The story is about how our God is greater than all of the other gods, um, and Dagon in this, this case. So what happens, you guys remember, they put him in this uh, giant building, and he says to the person that's guiding him because he can't see anymore, he goes, let me rest on the pillars that are holding up the building. This is the main structure support for this building, and he props up, and, um, and he prays to God. And he said, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the center pillars that held up the temple, pushing against them with both hands. He prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers all and all of the people. So he killed more than died during his entire lifetime. He wiped out a huge portion of the Philistines. Um, later, his brothers and sisters went down to get his body, took him back home and buried them between Zora and some other Hebrew name. Where his father, Manoah, was buried, Samson was judge of Israel for 20 years. So Samson is the only judge of Israel who died during a conflict with the oppressors. Um, the good news of Samson's story, um, though he spent his life pursuing other gods, in the end, the last thing he did was acknowledge his strength, right? Or his source of strength. He said, God, please strengthen me. Um, so that, and he became strong again. Um, we see that the last words spoken over Samson was about his faith and about how he ended. We read the Bible and we find this really cool thing. Um, and we've talked about a lot of hard things, right? That, that we may be becoming complacent or falling into 
Um, but God has chosen to use imperfect people to carry out his perfect will. Samson was an extremely flawed man, um, like many people in the Bible that we hear stories of, but God chose to use him. Um, and then in Hebrews 11, he gets, he gets accounted, oh, I have to go to my backup Bible. Hebrews 11, uh, 33 and 34. When your app that you keep your Bible on crashes. <laughs> Loading. Um, 33 and 34, it says, By faith these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fires, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. And they became strong in battle um, and put whole armies to flight. So he was mentioned as one of, uh, you know, in, in, in the church, we talk about Hebrews 11 as the hall of faith, people who had great faith. And we see that even though Samson, by all accounts, was not a good man, he had faith in, the, in God in the end. He finished his story well. Um, the good news of Samson's story is the same message that many of our children sing, right? You guys have heard this song. This is just a chunk of it. It's, we are weak, but he is strong. We put our hopes in ourselves. We put in our hopes in others. We become weak like Samson and enslaved like Samson. Samson's a reminder that our true strength and hope is found in the Lord. Jesus is the ultimate judge, um, has now come through his death, um, through his life, death, and resurrection, and he has won the victory for every sinner who, like Samson, in the end, trusted God's strength rather than their own strength. Um, I think that that we have this awesome opportunity to realize that our strength comes from an awesome, awesome place, and it's way bigger than ours, and we can be way stronger than this incredible Hulk that we read about in the Bible. Um, but it, it all stems from this one song, right? We are weak, but God is strong. So I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to sing a song, and, and we'll be done. Father God, I just pray that um, I pray that these words would would sink in today for me, that they would sink in for others, Lord, that we would not become complacent or happy with where we are living, that we would not compromise, Lord Jesus. I just pray that we would, um, like Samson, fin finish well. But Lord, I pray that we would not have all of the the stuff in the middle, that we would um, that we would continually lean on you that we would, um, we would come to you who are, is our true source of strength, Lord Jesus. And I just pray this in your name. Amen.